This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Hi, I'm Laura Huang, an assistant professor in the management department here at the Wharton School. Um, I'm here today with Kelly Leonard and Tom Yorton, authors of Yes And from the Second City. Hi. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Absolutely. So I'm going to start with you, Kelly, and yes. I'm going to kind of ask this. This book had me kind of laughing and cringing and ah. taking notes all at the same time. You know, there are so many useful kind of tidbits in there right. um, and also some really humorous kind of anecdotes. Can you tell us a little bit about the motivations for writing this? Yeah, I, I think if 15 years ago you'd say Second City was going to put its name on a business book, we would have been like, you're insane. Uh, but when Tom started with the company, which is about 16 years ago, um, he brought with uh, him a kind of a fresh light uh, to the way Second City was working with clients and, and really expanded upon the business. And so the collaboration here was interesting because I've been at Second City 26 years. And so it's really stage meets business because Tom has a business career and I'm a sort of a theater guy. And what Second City is, all right, we're a 56-year-old theater, but what we really are is an innovation laboratory because over that 56 years, we have had groups of people working together to create something out of nothing. We are a content creator and we never stop and they keep doing it in these groups and we're very, very successful at it. And at a certain point you go, that's gotta be translatable. Look at all the famous people who've leapt from the stages to the screen. It's not just, I'd like to think it's my great eye for talent, uh, but it's not because I wasn't there when Alan Arkin started. I was there when Tina Fey started. But there's this long sort of tra tradition of building talent out of these groups to have success. And then when we started taking it into businesses and having more and more success, we kind of turned to each other this like two, three years ago and said, God, we're idiots if we don't write this book. Yeah, absolutely. I think, for me, business is an act of improvisation. It's for all the planning and all the controls and all the governance and all the things we try to do to keep the variables down, business doesn't cooperate. You know, the world is a gray place, and this improv toolkit that we talk about is really important. It's never been more important than it is now. So that was all part of the motivation for writing the book. Yeah, and you hear so much about you know teaching students in terms of business and and all of these kind of hard skills, right? Accounting and right. and models and that sort of thing. And what I was really struck by was kind of the way you were able to to put this framework around teaching these soft skills. Yeah. Right. And so, can you talk a little bit about these soft skills and and what is it about it that you're able to teach? And how you, were you able to actually do that? Well, it's funny. I, you know, uh, I don't think in any part of my education, everyone, anyone ever taught me to listen. Uh, and listening is kind of important, mm -hmm. turns out. Uh, in fact, it's vital. Especially, and it's one of the key chapters of your yes, book, this listening. Because people don't practice it. And when you improvise, you do practice it. You have to. So there are ex specific exercises we offer in the book that, that people can take home with them, uh, uh, listening exercises. But you've got to put it into practice. I mean, I think everyone uh, understands the need to go to a gym to work out your muscles. But where do you go to work out your social skills? And so improvisation is yoga for your social skills. It puts you in a mindful, present place where you're concentrating with eye contact to the person in front of you. You're not thinking about before or about after. And when you're operating yes and, which is the title of our book, you're not saying no. You are in agreement and affirming and you're building something with someone else. And the way you feel after you do that, especially after like a three hour improv class, is the best. And so if we can bring that best self into our workplace, everything gets better. 
Yeah, and I, we talk about the, uh, the soft skills that separate the stars from the also-ran in, in business. It's how to listen, how to read a room, how to work uh, collaboratively on teams, how to respond to failure, how to be nimble and agile and adaptive when the unexpected happens. Those are really foreign skills to many people. You could have all the quant skills and you could have all the strategy skills and, and all that other stuff. And they're important skills to have, make no mistake. But unless you can work well with an ensemble and create something out of nothing and respond to the unexpected, you're only going to go so far in business. Yeah, I like that you kind of mentioned this ensemble nature, right? And, and the two of you are, in, in a sense, this ensemble that kind of created this, this very comedic, artistic work. Um, and a lot of it touches upon this innovation question that you, you brought up. Have you seen innovation changing over time? You've, you've both been a part of this for a long time. Has that oh, definition yeah. changed for you over time? And can you talk a little bit about what innovation has meant in the past uh, and what it means now? Yeah, uh, uh, it, ha it has changed. Um, and, and luckily, the, the world has kind of come to us. So if you think about what Second City is good at, uh, we are good at short form content and interactive content. We create the shows with our audience. Well. <laughs> Welcome to today. Welcome that is to the world. completely right. in vogue in the thing. Oh, and also our, our work is rooted in games. So the idea of a gaming sort of mindset. So all these things that are completely sort of taking over the innovation sphere are the stuff that we've been cooking and playing with for 56 years. Uh, and we've only recently begun to codify it because we're a baby art form. At 56, that's, you know, and that's really American style improvisation really started with the Compass Players, our predecessors, so it's 60 years ago. Um, so that's really changed. And that, I, I want to touch on what you talked about with ensembles because we make a point of this and, and yeah, yeah, Tom, yeah. Tom will elaborate, but we don't use the word team. We use the word ensemble. And the late, great Sheldon Patinkin, one of our uh, great mentors, uh, had a great phrase. That you often hear the phrase, you're only as good as your weakest member. And he changed it. He said, you're only as good as your ability to compensate for your weakest member. So the onus goes back on the ensemble, because at any given time, one of us is going to be the weakest member. And wouldn't you want someone else to kind of pick you up when, when, when you're that member? Yeah, and uh, tying back to your innovation question, I think about, uh, you know, because I spent 20 years on the other side of the desk. I was the clients that we now serve before I came to Second City. Um, and there's a million innovation methods with, you know, the registered trademark and the seven-step process and all that stuff. That's all fine. That's great. We think one of the greatest barriers to innovation, period, is this, uh, we, we talk about this, uh, uh, this idea of uh, respecting things, but not revering things. When you're so reverential about a product, a company, a leader, um, a category, you're not willing to see its failings. You're not willing to see what's incomplete about it. And so respect what you work with, but ultimately don't hold it in such reverence that you can't imagine it being something different. So all, all the process in the world is only so good if you're willing to actually challenge the status quo in the first place. And I think that's such a great point. What, one of the things I really loved from the book was when you talk about failure yeah. and how you know success is kind of these series of failures and success is also, you know, failure is embedded Right. Uh, in in kind of in, in kind of success, and, and and yet we live in a country that says no failure, and we right. live in a world where business like you can't fail. But the reality is, we all fail every day, and we're going to fail. And especially the people who have success, all, every success story, right, is rooted in these all these little failures. So what we at Second City do is we we have a failure uh, methodology, we have a, f a failure format, um, the two act scripted review that you pay your good money to see. Everyone's going to love, and they laugh because we've tested it out. The place we've tested it out is in the third act, which is free. 
It's late at night. Many people leave. A lot of college kids line up to come see it. That's our improv set. That is our failure laboratory. We try out material. Uh, it doesn't work. It's okay. I didn't pay anything. Uh, and, and that is a, a, a failure model. And, the, and it's not just that we have this to test out with the audiences, but for the employees, in this case the actors, they get to model failure, they get to survive failure, they get to fail and bring something back. And so learning how to fail elegantly and learning how to incorporate failure into your daily activities so it doesn't beat you into the ground. You know, you're not going to meet your sales goals. Am I beaten into the ground? It's like, no, that, that happens. This is a process. And so we have that model. So what we recommend for businesses is find your improv set, places where you can fail fast and we can fail uh, free of fear. Um, and uh, you know, not everyone has a stage, but you can create things like a stage inside your business. Yeah, you know, so I work with a lot of early stage startups, right? And this failure is kind of intrinsic in, in what they're doing. So sure. the question is also, how do you know when you should continue pivoting on yeah. your failures or when you should kind of throw in the towel and say, this is not working, it's time to move on to something else, um, let's try something new altogether. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, and there's no stock answer to that, I think, especially in a startup world, a lot of other factors, did you run out of money? Right, <laughs> right. Sometimes there are things outside of, outside of your own control that kind of dictate where you need to go. But I, I think for us, we, we ha are more resilient and we are more willing to go the next step and, and try it again and give it another shot. So I think when you think you should bail, try it another time or two and see what happens before you throw in the towel. And if you create, uh, if you create in a, a model where you're yes-handing at the start, which, which every idea gets a little love, you have an abundance of ideas. So that means the, the failure can move much faster because you can throw away, throw away, throw away. And no one is holding on to things in such a precious, precious manner. So really, if you act out of yes-and early, create abundance, then you might not have that problem. You might get to the truth and the good idea more quickly. I want to talk a little bit, and just pick, an idea came in my mind when you were just saying that, dishonesty in business. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like malicious, intentional dishonesty. I mean petty, um, unintentional dishonesty. And that is where, you know, where we refuse to acknowledge a failure where we all kind of walk past it and pretend it didn't happen and whitewash over it and still put the slogan up and you know we get together in the, the all hands meeting and clap. Um, but we're not really acknowledging what's broken. And when companies do that, when organizations do that, it causes everyone else to check out because they know there's BS going on. Mm. And there's a high cost to not being real and not being authentic. So when we talk about failure, it's not like we are, it's kind of, we're blithely saying, yeah, it's okay to fail. We are a very high performance culture. We have high standards and we don't like to fail any more than anyone else. But we know that it's okay to talk about it. We want to create conditions where people feel it's okay to be open about it because then they'll keep staying in the game, they'll stay fully engaged and you're good to go. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It kind of reminds me of one of the examples you had in the book where about Superman. Oh, yeah. And can you tell us a little sure, bit about you yeah, know yeah. that failure and how that failure turned into this immense success? Yeah, so uh, there's a, these classic scenes from the Second City Archives, and one of them is the Superman scene. Uh, and it was shortly after Christopher Reeve had fallen off the horse and was paralyzed. Tragic, tragic situation. Um, and the cast really wanted to create a scene around that. And the idea they came up with was that they were set in a, a sort of cartoon world, and there was an evil villain, and then Superman came out, but he was in a wheelchair. And the response that the audience gave was groans, if not worse. Uh, Martin Short came to a preview and just yelled no 
uh, when he saw it. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't working. Uh, and so the director took it out of the show, the two-act the two show, put it back in the improv set, the place where we can fail and it's okay because it's late at night and we're in trouble, uh, and was playing around with it. Uh, still wasn't working. Uh, and then finally came up with an idea uh, of writing a song for Superman uh, that he could sing about how he wished he could fly again. And it was kind of a lovely bookend uh, that when he put it back in the scripted show, we still got that terrible groan, but after he sang the song, everyone's like, oh, I'm okay with it. And it, and, and it became this iconic, well-reviewed, classic scene. Uh, the director was Mick Napier, the actor was Rich Tellerico. Uh, and uh, it would never have happened if we hadn't had this little failure module to fool around with it because we want to risk and we want to create content uh, that is challenging and edgy, but it doesn't work if everyone's upset. Uh, they could be upset for a little bit. Uh, but we want to bring them around again. So a lot of our work is testing you know, the edge. And we talk about this in the book, which is you know, a lot of people are practicing comedy without a license. You know, we, we, we have studied this stuff. We, we, have, we have, you know, researched and, and modeled it and all that. But everyone else thinks they, they know how to do comedy. And that's why everyone gets in trouble on Twitter. You know, you've got to understand your context. And so, you know, part of the book is also talking about that for businesses, is that if you want to use comedy, there are kind of rules that you might not want to uh, Like the consider. authenticity kind of, you know, yes. you want to be authentic. And well, and another one, you don't want to use those in power uh, using comedy to belittle right. those with less, right. lesser status. It doesn't go over so exactly. well. Don't punch down. Yeah, yeah don't punch down. Yeah. There, there's a few like that. Yeah, and I think the, that the practical exercises in the book really hit a lot of those concepts home. So, you know, I personally really liked the string the pearls. Yeah. One where you give one phrase and another phrase, and the two are not connected, and you have to get from one to the to next. Other. Do you guys have a favorite? Tom, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I, I, we do a lot of work with listening skills in business because it is so unpracticed. Um, and a, an exercise that we cite in the book and we use very successfully is something we call last word response, where we instruct people to pair up talk about anything, have a conversation, doesn't matter what you're talking about. The only stipulation is you have to use, the, uh, when you respond to me, you have to use the last word in my line as the first word in your response. And you go and you have these conversations and sometimes they're funny and nonsensical and it doesn't much matter. The point of that exercise is it's difficult to listen all the way through because we are generally taught in business, critical thinkers are taught to listen to respond, not to listen to understand. And we draw that distinction. We think it's really important to listen to fully understand someone. You might miss some information. You might miss a meeting if you check out halfway through what they're saying so you can prepare a response. Yeah. And Kelly, how about you? Yeah. Um, here's, here's the thing I think people should do. Uh, take one day and don't say no the entire day. So even if you're in a situation where you have to say no, you have to find another way to, to get there. It will change your, your view. It will change how you feel. Uh, it's hard. It is not easy. I have done it, and it is problematic, especially with children. <laughs> but uh, it is ultimately very rewarding because you have put yourself out in a far more positive way. And the other thing is you start to you know, make that list of how many times you would have said no, and it's a lot. And you recognize that really out of the 25 times that uh, I would have said no, 23 of them I didn't need to. And, and, and the people around you notice it, notice it as well. When we were working on the book, I would come in in the morning early and write like from 8 a.m. to like 10, 10 a.m. And my uh, ensemble members, my, my staff around me, always said they knew when I was working on the book because I was a much better leader. And because I was modeling it, I was putting it in practice, I was saying it, I was writing it, I was touching it. Um, and they were like, it's remarkable. Like that, we all know now we have this game to catch you when you come out of a writing thing because <laughs> at that point we're gonna be able to make things happen. That's interesting. Yeah. 
All right, so one thing I'm just curious about. Mm -hmm. So Stephen Colbert said that at least half this book is going to be good <laughs> because he knows one of you. Yep. So was he being facetious or does he only know one of you? He knows him. <laughs> he knows him. He doesn't know me. What are you going to do? Yeah, uh, Stephen uh, was in my very first cast as a producer at Second City. He was my wife's roommate in college. Uh, we got engaged at his rehearsal dinner. Wow. Um, he's a great old friend and, and an amazing Second City success story. And someone who so embodies this work. Um, uh, Tina Fey is another. Uh, they, they both uh, really believe in improvisation and took it with them. So uh, Colbert, if you look at his staff, it's a lot of Second City people. Same with Tina when she's on 30 Rock and Kimmy Schmidt. I mean, there's, there's a lot of Second City people. So it, it's uh, one of the things that's interesting about Second City is that uh, we let talent go. Um, when we talked earlier about ensembles. Uh, in an ensemble, uh, that's just fine because the ensemble is always there. Uh, sometimes when it's teams, it's like, oh, the team falls apart. It's like, no, this is never falling apart. And we've never closed for 50, 56 years. That We've never closed. The show has just kept going on and morphing into the next Second City ensemble. And that's why so many people who are uh, so proud of calling themselves alumni of the Second City know that's a very rare group that they're a part of. But my mom liked the part I wrote. So. <laughs> So she liked half yeah. of it as well. Yeah, she was Tom's mom, it. Stephen yes. Colbert. Yes. You know, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tom and Kelly, for being <laughs> yeah. here. It's just such a fascinating glimpse into the world of improv and the, the lessons that we can take from that into the business world. So thanks again. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.